Hi, and welcome to the Change Today podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Keela Kadeh. So, Kadeh is my last name, and in French, it means soldier. So, when we talk about Change Kadeh, we're talking about soldiers of change. In my company, we talk about soldiers of change in the place of diversity, inclusion, and equity. But here, it may talk about the workplace, but we may also talk about stories of just change in general from various different aspects of life. Change today is all about stories of change at what times may feel like an upward battle, but people are getting to their places of joy. So here, I'll share some of my own stories. I'll also interview guests who took risks and grew from their experience of navigating change to find their joy. I hope that these stories that you hear today um, will be an opportunity for you to become inspired and maybe a change today in your own life. Welcome to the Change Today podcast. I'm so excited to have the Shirley Johnson here today. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Um, I am a fan of you, as you know. <laughs> and I'm lucky enough to say that I've been um, in a position to get and experience some of your magic. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, <laughs> let's start by um, you letting everyone know who you are. So tell us about yourself. Sure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. It's my <laughs> first podcast. Yay! Um, it's popping my <laughs> podcast virginity. Yes. <laughs> I am honored. <laughs> uh, my name is Shirley Johnson. I am a licensed psychotherapist, energy healer, and yoga teacher here in the Bay Area. Well, let's just talk about the. You have three <laughs> magical things. And then for the people who don't know what Shirley looks like, she is a beautiful (laughs) woman of color on top of it. So all these three things that she's gifting the world are powerful. Continue, proceed. Um, And I am here in Oakland, California. The only place to be. Yes, the only place to be. But I'm from New York City, born in Brooklyn. Also another only place place to be. be. Shout out to New York Fashion Week happening right now. Oh, yes. It is Fashion Week (laughs) during Virgo season. Makes so much sense. Um, I know you're a Virgo. Yeah. So, yeah, I am. I don't know what else to say about myself. Is there? Those are the things I spend most of my time doing. And I love it. It's kind of my life. Yeah. So um, just so people know, you have a private practice where you're able to do these three different types of things. So you have... Um, what people consider traditional therapy, mm-hmm. and then you also have alternative therapy mm-hmm. through energy healing and also being a yogi. Yo- yes. Yogi? Yoga. Yoga. Yogini. Yogini. Mm-hmm. But you also have, you are an expert in kundalini. Kundalini? Kundalini. 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 Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I'm an expert, but I am really into kundalini practice. I've done a number of teacher trainings um, and studied different yogic school so kundalini has been the most recent one and i'm very in love with the kundalini practice shout out to my teacher krishna Carr in los angeles she's amazing Um, mm -hmm. yes she is you are as well but let the listeners know what that is if they may not know sure kundalini yoga is the yoga of awareness um in a kundalini yoga class is probably not as common as what folks have been used to which is mostly vinyasa and hatha which are more like doing postures downward facing dog all that good stuff kundalini will focus a lot on breath work 
Um, so lots of different breath practices and uh, a lot of repetitive movements. And so the whole system is designed to actually raise one's kundalini energy, which could be thought of as the um, base primal potential that every human has and to, to raise that energy up the spine so mm. that we become these conscious living beings and, and really manifesting all of our potential. Mm. Okay, that's important. Um, yeah, I like straighten my back as you said that because I'm like, <laughs> I too. always, yeah, like, straight, elongate my spine. Um, so, obviously, this is the Change Today podcast. So, we always ask guests how they are a Change Today in their own life. So, uh, Change Today means soldiers of change. So, how are you a, a Change Today? Yeah, well, I think think that you know being just a therapist of color being a black <laughs> therapist feels like a huge uh a, being it feels like being an agent of change so many folks that I've worked with or encountered in any sort of area of my life are always like wow like you're mm-hmm. a therapist or you know folks I work with will be like oh it's been so important for me to find a woman of color therapist or a black therapist mm-hmm. and um I realize that, you know, there's a path that not as many folks of color have been able to walk on traditionally. There's more and more walking that path now, but um, just being at the forefront of mental health and being able to provide, you know, both like culturally humble and, Mm -hmm. you know, relatable therapy to my clients feels like a huge way of healing. And that feels like a change. Yeah, I cannot tell you how many people um, complain about that simple fact that one, they're locked into a health plan, AKA Kaiser, where they can't, <laughs> you know, connect to a therapist of color or they have to do group therapy and they don't want to do that. Um, I really hate that model, by the way. I'm not a fan. It literally pisses me off because ugh, I recently had an experience with a support group for coronary artery spasms. And I was like, Hmm. This is not for me. No, it's a Facebook support group, right? But just, it's very depressing, Mm. you know, and depending on where you are, um, it's important to have that one-on-one support because like me living with invisible illness, rare condition, heart condition and chronic illness, and also uh, depression on top of it, then my stuff is special. So I need like specific guidance of what to do to continually be my best self and be amazing like and thrive and with Kaiser with that group model um it's really unfortunate and also sometimes intimidating for people of color who may be in a group that may not reflect them or again they don't feel comfortable sharing what's going on and there's so much stigma in our community with seeing a therapist or doing anything Mm -hmm. really around mental health and here you are saying what do you want do you want energy healing (laughs) (laughs) do you want yoga (laughs) you know um or do you want uh traditional therapy so um that leads me to your special powers because you have special powers (laughs) you know i think everyone has special powers and i think that only some I think everybody is born with special powers and, you know, we don't live in a culture that always supports people in knowing what those special powers are or Mm -hmm. doesn't shame them for their special Mm -hmm. powers. I think there's a direct correlation between mental health and special powers. I don't think it's, I worked with teenagers for a long time and 
you know, seeing so many teenagers who like, quote unquote, didn't do well in high school or were failing. And it was because their special powers and our sort of broken, you know, to go along with Kaiser, then you have an education system that matches that, um, that didn't support these young folks Mm -hmm. actually feeling confident in their special powers. That might not be uh, doing math. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Because the world needs everyone's special powers. But yes, I have my own. So I was going <laughs> to, what I what I would like to know from you is, because you know I have also special powers. Mm-hmm. How did you tap into your special powers? And you like, this is not scripted. You like set that up <laughs> beautifully in the sense that, yeah, people don't know how to tap into it. People know my story of how I was able to tap into my powers, but how are you able to do that? Well... You know, on one side, I was really fortunate because my parents also, their special powers, they're very talented musicians. Mm. So, and they lived, um, you know, when I was born, they were playing music. They did like astral travel and all these like weird woo-woo things while (laughs) pregnant with me. So to an extent, I was born into a family that have their own problems. But one of the things that I did get was um, like some, ex- like there was just a fullness of like what I could be interested in. Mm-hmm. I used to beg my mother as a five-year-old to just read me books on astrology and she was down to do that. Like, wow. um, so I have, I'm very fortunate that like, I wasn't shamed. I don't think I felt like shame around my intuition. My mother was always like, you're so sensitive. You're so sensitive. Um, and at first I thought like that was a bad thing, but I realized like she was just affirming my ability to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, growing up that kind of got pushed away. I did a very academic route in high school and undergrad. And I think it took me a while. I was working actually in corporate real estate development in New York. So I had a whole past life of being a little corporate, corporate woman or like a fake corporate woman. And I remember (laughs) getting sick at like, I was just getting rashes all over the torso of my body. No. Mm -hmm. And I I was like, is it the detergent? I couldn't figure it out. And I went, I remembered I was going to Brazil for the first time. Mm -hmm. I was going on a vacation. I get to Brazil. And meanwhile, this is, you know, before everyone has internet on their phones. This is like, that meant I was going to be off my phone for a week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... Lo and behold, I'm there for a week, chilling, going to the beach, hanging out with my best friend, eating delicious food, and the rash disappears. And at that point, I was like, okay, there's, it just clicked on me, like, so much of what the body manifests is is related to the amount of stress that we might be holding, and our body's going to reflect it. So that kind of, like, made me dive deep into just everything. I just started, like, taking in as much as I could around energy healing, Mm -hmm. chakras, Whatever I could get my hand on that was like not the traditional sort of approach to healing or health, I mm-hmm. was into. And I started practicing yoga pretty regularly then. So let people know a little bit more about the types of energy mm-hmm. healing mm-hmm. that you do. Sure. So I do a lot of Reiki energy healing. Reiki is a Japanese um, healing art, but I would say it's also similar to what many cultures around the world do, which is like laying of hands or hovering of hands um, and working with the Reiki energy, which is just the universal life energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do some, I do energetic healings that will sometimes incorporate Reiki and incorporate either sound, like the use of different sound instruments. Or um, most recently, I've been 
um, gifted the ability to learn how to do healings with um, fresh roses. So it's called Limpia de Rosas, and it's from Mexico. My teacher's from Ciudad de Mexico, Mexico City, and it's a, uh, a healing technique. Again, many cultures around the, the world use plants in their healing, and um, so this is one modality of that. So I, I love working with rose and the energy of the rose. So schedules <laughs> a session for uh, that. That sounds lovely. Yeah, and I think I work a lot just with my intuition of what everyone is different and what everyone needs is different. But those are the sort of I'd say, if if I was to work with someone, they could expect some hands in the alternative therapy. They could expect some hands on touch, some questions if things I'm feeling are coming up, mm-hmm. and um, possibly some sound or some use of plant medicine to uh, brush the body or relate to the body. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember, I'm, something happened in my life and I was like, it's time because we had been mm-hmm. talking about getting together because we had a, a mutual friend. Yes. Um, we still need to do an event together. Yes, I love doing events. Realizing <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. Sends email to Lululemon. <laughs> we'll do something with Lululemon. How about we do that? Do I'm do that? so okay. down, yeah. All right. I have a partnership with them now. So. Oh, fabulous. I'm trying to change lululemon's perspective from like skinny blonde white women oh great yeah to all sizes of women and all colors of women because they actually have a really great product i feel like i'm in it right i mean this is <laughs> you know i worked there in grad school did you really <laughs> i did not know that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i i did nothing with them until um they asked me to be a lululemon luminary mm-hmm. and i was like you know that i'm black though so like I literally because to me it wasn't the brand was never for me so I learned a lot about like their company and their values um and have been able to formulate a nice partnership out here in the Bay Area yeah which is cool we're gonna do something about mental health soon right on great Great. talk to you about that um so what are we talking about little women clothes we're gonna go there. oh so me I'm like, where do we go with that me and my tangents so um something was probably my heart stuff I'm assuming mm. I think I was also heartbroken by a guy maybe I think I was I I remember the I don't know if you were heartbroken though but I don't I think know. it was like maybe pissed I don't know what it was my energy was not right though I'm trying to remember. I remember the session. I just don't remember if that was. I remember the story of the the guy too, but I don't know if that was in that session or another time. I don't know either. Either way, my body was like, <laughs> fine, Shirley. <laughs> um, and the sessions we had were really great. I'm, I am overdue, so let's for sure schedule something today. Um, <laughs> to come in, but I remember I had. You, you like gave me my like form to fill out mm-hmm. and um, you were like, yeah, you can see me as a therapist because, oh yeah, no, I was like, my depression was coming on again for my health stuff. That's really the start of it. And you're like, yeah, you can see me as a therapist, but then you won't be able to do energy healing Correct. or yoga with me. And I was like, my special powers were like deal with her special powers. So that's why um, I had to find my therapist who I, I do love now. Um, but... <laughs> 
for me, particularly with all the stuff that goes on, it's important to have like a holistic approach to existing yes. because every day is a challenge for me. So to have you be part of that team um, is wonderful and great. So with that said, um, did you have any fear with like tapping into these special powers or even venturing out on your own um, hmm. as a black therapist? Oh yeah, of course. Um, what? How- what do you mean (laughs) yeah i know hard to believe right um the fears i had i think you know i studied naturopathy years ago with a black teacher named dr africa who um was also the first one i was working in real estate Mm -hmm. and i took this class with him and wait real estate in new york yeah i worked in corporate real estate development you were like that show like all the shows in new york about real estate I guess so. Oh, such a good time to be a real estate agent. So many cute guys. <laughs> um, but so st- like I was working for a developer. It was very stressful. Um, and I was in my 20s. It was like, yeah. I didn't know. I This was brand new to me. I didn't know anything about it. But uh, and for the record, you still look like you're in your 20s. <laughs> oh, thank you. You just walk around and just upset people. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'll try. <laughs> Um, and I studied with this teacher and I was learning all about naturopathy and holistic health. His course was called African Holistic Health. So it was all the perspective of holistic health from mm-hmm. an Afrocentric um, lens and core. And I remember he looked at me one day and I would I just would light up in that class. I loved going. It would be Saturday mornings. Girl, I was at the club on Friday nights and I roll in on Saturday morning so chippered and excited. Yay. And I remember he looked at me one day at the end. And he just goes like, you're a healer. And I was like. Oh, and I was like, that word hadn't like, I was like, whoa, that feels like a lot, especially as like a 20 something year old to hear. And so that I think kind of was affirming of like, okay, I am feeling some resonance with understanding health and interacting with folks about their health. Um, But I had a lot of fear and a lot of self-doubt around like, am I, can I really do this? You know, a lot of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So many of us, so many folks of color deal with that of like, do I really know anything about this? And honestly, this is years before Instagram and yeah. everyone's a wellness influencer and everyone's <laughs> done a yoga training and everyone's, right. you know, an you herbalist. Have like a visual example of how someone could have a fulfilling and successful life as a healer. Like probably at that time, me being Haitian, like you're very healer, you're like in someone's like backyard. And it's a lot of like word of mouth and it wasn't necessarily something where you're like, I could afford Mm. my apartment in the Bay Area (laughs) or New York at that time. Yeah, for sure. It felt like, okay, if I'm a healer, I can either be like him or Queen Afua, who actually that was where that that training took place at her center in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And they're both amazing, amazing teachers, but they're elders in the community. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, and like they're living a specific they're living their medicine and it's a very specific medicine yeah and being like well they're both healers but I was like I don't know like I felt like the pressure of like I'm gonna have to dress a certain way and look a certain way and so it's taken time and just practice of realizing like it doesn't matter what I'd wear Mm -hmm. (laughs) doesn't matter um what I look like you know all of those things like so many ego identities of thinking like people won't think I'm authentic if I don't 
come off a certain way and realizing like it's being authentically myself that is the healing. But that, and I think that takes time. And I think that's part of anybody who's doing any healing walk. They have to learn that for themselves Mm -hmm. because that's the initiation Mm -hmm. (laughs) into it is actually Mm -hmm. dealing with the doubt and the fear and the imposter syndrome and not stopping because of it. Can't stop, won't stop. Yeah, no choice. (laughs) To keep it going. Um, So in this space of healing, because you are a healer, do you you own that now? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And do you like ever just introduce yourself as a healer? Probably not. Triple threat. I think I'm like, I usually I'm like, I'm a therapist or I won't even say anything because it just feels like um, just like it just feels like it doesn't even need to be said. Sometimes I I do have some criticism about the word and the usage of the word healing Mm -hmm. at times because I think it can be so like used a lot and and it sometimes takes away to me the potency of Mm -hmm. like what I mean when I say it because to me it's not just about like healing it's like getting from point A to point B it's like no it's just like integrating every single aspect of point A B C D and so on and so Mm -hmm. forth it's not actually leaving A it's actually like knowing how to be A, B, C, D, E, and... And speaking of the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what does healing mean to you? Healing means integrating and healing means being whole. Mm. So, and would you say like whole person health? Yes, whole person health. Full spectrum, full spectrum humanity. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Um, I don't know where I am. (laughs) (laughs) Teleported. Right. Astro projected. I don't know where I am with that. I, you know, I'm amazing. That is definitely at my core. But um, there are moments, well, I'm realizing there's going to be moments in time where I'm not going to have all the energy I need to be my whole self. Mm -hmm. Um, And then accepting that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And also like the moments when you don't have, quote unquote, the time to be one aspect of yourself, then you get to be that part of yourself that needs rest. And that part is amazing and divine and special, just as much as the part of you that's fabulous at an event wearing whatever (laughs) wonderful outfit you have on. And so, so it's like acceptance of all of it. Like (laughs) I love the little whiny part of me and I love the part of me that is you know, very organized and the part of me that's very disorganized. Well, yes, there's things that are happening here that as a Virgo drive me crazy, (laughs) but I can't put storage in my parking spot because they're doing construction. Anyway, it's like a whole, it looks great to me. Well, because like, if you stack it, it looks good. And then I realized I have like the swag bag problem. Cause then I have like stuff and I'm like, thanks. Well, I'm a tourist. So to me, I'm like, Oh, it's heaven. (laughs) Stuff. (laughs) Um, what, what energy vibe are you getting from me right now? (laughs) Well, you know, I'm actually, I, I'm a lot these days not trying to pick up other people's energy. Very good. Because, um, because it doesn't, I don't need to. Okay. What you're saying is very powerful because I too have the same thing, like, I feel it coming on because for me uh-huh. with my clear cognizance, I just want to tell people things about themselves all the time. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, I have to remind myself I'm not getting paid. 
Yeah, that's one. And <laughs> two is I actually, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. I think I also definitely have some claircognizance. And as you know, it can be, it's, it's, people think it's, it's a blessing and a curse because oh my God, yeah. I can sometimes be with people and I see a whole picture. I see A to Z. I see the whole, I see what happened at birth and I see what the 10 different options of what could happen from the present. And part of what I'm learning is that it's not always my job from like from the divine to actually relay that information because sometimes that's also a per- if I'm going to be like well let me tell you something I can see that but 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 I could possibly be robbing someone of their own self-awareness and coming into learning it about themselves mm-hmm. and that realizing just because I can see it doesn't mean it's going to be healing for me to reveal it mm-hmm. and that takes a lot of discipline I'm, I know for me, sometimes, you know, my clients, I'm like, mm. but it's like, no, it's not always, sometimes it is, but it's not always what is needed in the moment. So. Very true. I definitely learned that the hard way, like mm-hmm. tapping into the powers. Cause I'd be like, you know what? With like friends, you know what? Mm-hmm. Okay. These are all the things. Um, <sighs> and then, you know, I'd rather lose a friendship or it'd be like some type of argument or, you know, and, like, people just weren't ready, you know, for that. For sure. So, for me, it's, like, finding personal life. It's finding people that understand that I have that and also knowing when to, because you can't turn it off. But just saying, like, no, not, hey, we're not going to do that right now. Or not vocalizing what you may see, right? Um, so, there's that. But work-wise, mm. it it does work really well. So it helps me figure out how I can work with people and partnerships, collaborations, but um, incredibly well with executive coaching mm. because that's where a lot of people lie. Mm-hmm. People who are listening who I coach, <laughs> <laughs> that's where a lot of people lie because they don't want to talk about their feelings um, of fear, imposter syndrome, some type of traumatic event that may have happened yeah. at work. And then I will bring it up and let them know it's okay. And figuring out like, you know, this stuff is coming from this thing. And when that happens, then that's how we can get to a place of healing, you know, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And the stuff comes up about their personal life. Then I'm like, so it's probably time for you to use that insurance. Yeah. Or that EAP. <laughs> or EAP. Exactly. Uh, EAP stands for Employee Assistance <laughs> Program. Um, <laughs> to you know speak to a therapist because i make it very clear that even though there's a probability that i could help you through something that is not my specialty that is not where i went to school and i'm not gonna that's not my focus my focus is you being your best self you know like um in the workplace so um what's been the most transformative healing for you oh let's see Well, you know, right now, I think one is learning how to embrace anger. I went to therapy years ago in my 20s, in my late 20s. And I remember telling my therapist, I I went to someone who did past life regression because I was so disconnected from, (laughs) so disconnected from the present that I was like, well, all the issues I have must be stemming from a past life incident. (laughs) I had no like understanding of like, the trauma that I had experienced and how I was still, you know, running from that system. Okay, let's break that down for the listeners a little bit more. I am also dealing with past life trauma. It could mm-hmm. be a reason why I have heart problems. We've talked about this before, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
So break that down. So when I, the past life part? Past life trauma, yeah. Okay, so um, when I talked about past life, the person who I saw worked with people who were dealing with past life issues and past life trauma, meaning that this is the concept that our souls pick different bodies each lifetime to inhabit. And so that sometimes, so we're, we still have the same soul that we may have had from a different lifetime. Our soul is undying. And so though sometimes the imprint of what happened in a previous lifetime, it could be anything, is still then lingering on an energetic level. And usually we may not have, um, like in the front of our brain, we don't have any concept or we don't even have language for it. It just sort of lingers energetically until we're able to drop into it. And then sometimes we are able to build some language around it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So tell us about your experience with that. So I was in there and she's asking me questions and she's, I'm talking about my parents and my father, who I have, you know, a challenge, I had a challenging relationship with as a kiddo. And um, she was like, are you mad at him? And I was like, no, I don't feel anger. And she just looked at me and was like, bullshit. <laughs> she, I think she might have said that. And she gave me like a stack of newspapers. And she was like, I want you to crumble each of them with your hands. Imagine he's there and I want you to throw it at him and say everything. And I was like frightened and disgusted. And I was like, I don't want to do that. But I did it because I was paying $175 a session. And this is... 10 years ago or something, okay? <laughs> and she was that was her sliding scale for me. No. But she was such a good, great therapist. No pen, I did not waste a penny of that. Of That was so worth it. So anyway, yeah. um, but it made me realize how repressed anger was in me. I grew up in a household where there was a lot of anger and there was also violence. So like many folks learned that anger and violence are conflated and are the same thing. Mm-hmm. I see this happen with, and I think about this a lot with black folks in the sense of even just from an intergenerational perspective, the amount of violence that many of us have endured in, um, or that our foremothers and grandmothers have endured, and then how violence becomes this sort of conflated with anger. And so that every time there's anger, that means there has to be violence. But it, that's not actually true. So I was so afraid of touching my own anger because of the fear of you know mm-hmm. being a child and seeing so much violence in my household. And then realizing, oh, actually, it's safe for me to feel anger. And it's actually really empowering when I can Mm -hmm. tap into it. So Mm -hmm. that has been very healing. And it also makes me be able to be like, I can be present with someone who's angry. And I don't need to necessarily be defensive or get angry with them. Mm -hmm. So that's been pretty, I think that's been pretty cool. That is, actually. I now have to figure out how I can be angry in a way that's healthy for my heart. Mm-hmm. And it's so annoying. Mm. What's annoying about it? Um, because I can't have any stress. Because if I have stress, I go into tachycardia or it can mm. invoke more than my regular spasms. Yeah. So it's then just letting that anger be energy and flow through you and not having any resistance to it. I imagine will decrease the stress. Mm-hmm. But and that's a practice. I don't think that's like an overnight. Yes. Just go ahead and do that, you and you're good face, to go. My face for that. So um, I right now I'm literally dealing with the after effects of being in a position where I was angry because the problem with me is that having an invisible illness, no one ever thinks I'm sick mm-hmm. because I'm too perceived young, or I look too healthy, or I'm yep. too 
stylish. I don't know. There's like, I'm standing. You know, so there's all you of these. You have good skin. Right. There's all these things that say like, no, she probably just wants special treatment or she's probably entitled mm. or something like that. So um, I was flying back from my vacation. I was in Trinidad, Port of Spain. And flying in American Airlines, I checked in with the desk and I was like, I need pre-board. He asked me why. And airlines are not supposed to ask why you need pre-board. They can ask you like, what accommodations do you need? Do you need like a wheelchair or right. whatever, right? And I was like, I just, I have a heart condition. I'm just, I just need more time to board because I'm slow. Um, the airport is an incredibly stressful place for regular people. Yeah. Um, and my cardiologist was like, you just, I'm not so much worried about the flying, although I have to fly with compression socks and have my medication, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, it's really more so being in the, dealing mm-hmm. with the people and like being in the airport that is, it's going to be hard for you. And so the guy was like, okay, no problem. Just listen for my announcement. You're fine. And I was like, great. So I see the wheelchairs lining up. So I stand behind three wheelchairs. Another American Airlines employee was like, uh, excuse me. And I was like, I'm pre-board too. And she's like, okay, that's fine. They'll board you. But made me move for another wheelchair. So I was like, all right, whatever. I'm going to board the plane. So they board all the wheelchairs, but they didn't board me. And I was like, I'm pre-board. I also need to board as well. And they were like, why? I was like, I have a heart condition. I need more time. And then she was like, the the person, the attendant, like putting people on the plane, went to the supervisor. And the supervisor is like, why do you need to board? I say the same thing again. She was like, well, you shouldn't fly. And I was like, and I've never, I've been flying with my heart condition for almost a year because there was a time where I couldn't fly at all. And I was like, you can't tell me that I can't fly. I can, how the fuck do you think I got here? Wow. You know what I mean? I didn't say that, but I'm like, I can fly, right? So um, she was like, well, unfortunately you've told me that and I have to, I was like, unfortunately. Just a what? What are you going to do? And so now they tell me I have to do another security check. And I'm like, you guys are now boarding people on the plane. What? what? So you're now defeating the purpose of me trying to get on the plane. And now I am getting upset because I did everything I was supposed to do. Yeah. I did every, and now here I am. I always have to make a choice. Like, do I advocate for myself or do I not? Uh-huh. And so I'm like, but I need to get on the plane. They're like, well, you have to do another security security check. They pulled me aside to do a security check through the regular checkpoint, which is fine. Whatever. Every country is different with how they do that. But I was like, I don't understand why you're doing this to me because now it defeats the purpose of me trying to not be in a position where I have a heart, you know, have like a go into tachycardia. And so then they are very difficult, but move me to like kind of towards the jetway, but to the side to do yet another security check. And I'm explaining to her, I have a heart condition. Like I need to sit down. And she was like, do you have a laptop in your bag? I had a backpack in your bag. They're like, take my laptop out. And they go and like, they're checking through stuff. I just sit down on the ground because I'm now in tachycardia. Mm -hmm. So if anyone doesn't know what tachycardia is, it's a hundred beats per minute while resting. Like Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with having a hundred beats per or more when you're like working out doing activity, having sex, doing something fun. Mm -hmm. Right. But um, when resting, it now becomes um, an issue. So, I'm in tachycardia. I feel like uncomfortable. So I sit down and sitting down is one way to bring my heart rate back down. 
the security woman tells me that I can't sit down. And I say, I have a heart condition. I need to sit down. She's like, well, if you sit down, I can't go through your bag. So then I had to stand up. And now I'm crying because I'm in a foreign country. I'm alone. I don't have Wi-Fi to contact anyone. My phone's like on, you know, and like the bag on the table, blah, blah, blah. And then she realized that I probably wasn't lying. I'm like, I'm going to have to take medication because, you know, my heart. And then she kind of like sped up with the little pat my down my boobs. And then also I had to take off my shoes so she could pat the bottoms of my feet. What? I know you already reached out to American Airlines. I sure did. And so now I'm in line because it's regular ass boarding for everyone. And you're like, well, I could have fucking been regular right. boarding for and the jump. I was group five. So it wasn't like the last group. I wasn't like group one. I wasn't business class. I was economy comfort. Right. Yeah. And for some reason where I was sitting, I was in the last group to board. So there was no way I could have done that. There's times like if I do fly business, I don't deal with that because right. sometimes it's like a hassle, but I know I'm on in the beginning. I know I'm going to have space. I know I'll have my bag right. next to me um, that will have, you know, the medication that I have to keep next to me all the time. So I, um, by the time I was standing, waiting now to get on the plane, now mind you, I need to sit, but I still have to stand to board the plane. I can't not sit. And so by that time, when I checked my heart rate, it was 142. So that meant dealing with them. And this is me not talking, right? So dealing with them, talking and all that stuff, it had to be higher. So now I'm in tachycardia and I'm crying and I have chest pain. And what a lot of people don't um, Dramatic pause. What a lot of people don't realize is that when you look the way that I look, mm-hmm. I I can't, nothing can be wrong with me. But the way that I look is why it took a year and a half to be diagnosed because mm-hmm. I'm a black woman and because I'm, I'm healthy and I have no cardiovascular history. And um, there are several times when I was in the emergency room and I'm in tachycardia and chest pain is happening and no one believed me and they just thought it was stress or stress or anxiety or any of those things. But I have an incredibly rare heart condition. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people don't hear you or don't believe you or don't see you, it makes invisible illness really real because it's invisible illness because no one sees you. Yeah. You know, so then then you have moments where you're like, it brings up all the trauma for having to advocate for in the ER for specialists, for nurses or whatever. Um, and then you can't just say like you have cancer because if you say you have cancer, people are like, Oh my God, you have cancer. They understand you have cancer yeah. or they see something that a port or your hair, or they see a wheelchair or a crutch or something and provide assistance. So um, it is literally the worst. So as a result of that exciting experience, um, I had chest pain for uh, nine hours flying back because now I've been triggered and I, I have inflammation that hasn't really been fully diagnosed. It's probably relating to some one of my four heart conditions. And so, you know, now that I'm triggered, I have chest pain. And um, but more importantly, I just cried like the whole mm-hmm. way. 
And I'm sure like when I finally got on the plane and I took my nitroglycerin, one of the pills like broke. So it straight up looked like out of this tiny little canister that I was probably trying to do coke or something with all the powder that was on my hand, which I didn't care. And I like take my nitroglycerin and get my heart rate to go down. For those of you who don't know, nitroglycerin is used and given to people who have heart attacks in the emergency room. And I just always have it ready to go. And um, yeah, so it was a long way getting back here. I made it to Miami. That was my port of entry for my connection. And I'm in the, you know, um, uh, border control passport line Mm -hmm. crying. And then I go in and then it was this lovely, like kind of stereotypical Miami woman who just had this beautiful chocolate skin, but also blue contacts Mm -hmm. and a blonde wig. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Mm, hi. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm back in America um and she uh she said happy belated birthday and I was like thank you and then she looked at me and she's like what's wrong and I was like oh, I was denied pre-board when I was approved for pre-board um she was like, why they do that to you anyway I had a conversation turns out she may have one of my heart conditions from mm. how she experiences so she said, I'm sorry that happened to you. Then I start crying again because she was the only person who mm. cared for the, you know, the whole thing. At some point, I, I connected to Wi-Fi and the air and I was able to contact my um, my sister and my one of my friends who I just left. And then contact American Airlines as soon as I got home at 2 a.m. I gave none of the fucks. Yeah. Um, I left a message specifically for the special assistance line. So American Airlines is pretty good at making sure that people can set stuff up, you know, like ahead of time. But they also have a line specific to being treated poorly for having disability. I have a disability. So I contacted them. They called me back later that day, told my story. I cry because this is day six of crying for me. Um, and they were appalled and, you know, couldn't believe that that happened. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, we can't do anything about the security check, but they should have let you, you know, sit down. Again, this wouldn't be a question if I was like in a wheelchair doing security yeah, check yeah. or, you know what I mean? And then um, they said that they would contact the general manager of that airline and then the supervisor would be reprimanded. By the way, when they were like escorting me to the security thing, I looked at her and I was like, I just want you to know you're discriminating against a person with a disability. Mm. I just want you to sit with that. And then, um, yeah. And they like gave me some miles, which is nice. And that's, I didn't call for miles. And I literally said, I, I didn't call for miles, but thank you. Um, I was like, you really need to educate your staff about invisible illness. And she's like, well, yeah. I mean, if you say you need pre-board, they can't deny you pre-board. And I was like, uh-huh. Well, then it's, right. Then it doesn't even need to be educated. It just needs to Here be laid down. Yeah. Just like that's policy. Someone comes and yeah. that's what it is, period. <clears throat> totally policy, but also like. You right. know, the why I was like, of like, here's why. Yeah. I was like, you have to let them know that invisible illness can look like a regular ass person like a regular ass person i can't show you the inside of my heart like there's no way for me to do that and do i want people who i don't know to put their hand on my chest to fill tachycardia no. i'm gonna pass i'm just gonna unless he's like an available single pilot i'm gonna pass like i don't you know i don't want any of that stuff to happen um so they inform me that they are supposed to send or did or will who knows send a um like an all staff um, 
uh, message out about invisible illness. I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope that happens, but like I'm going to Carnival in Trinidad, show my titties apparently to the world. <laughs> um, but now I now know when I leave from there, I'm going to have to get a wheelchair. Yeah, that's it. Don't even, don't even. I, yeah, but I don't, like, for me, because I can stand, I feel bad taking a wheelchair away from someone who can't. Um, I know I shouldn't feel bad, and I know, like, I need the assistance. But the other part is, I want as much independence as I can have until I actually have to be in a place where I have to use, like, a wheelchair. Yeah. I don't know, you know, none of us really know what our future holds, but... Yeah. From this support group <laughs> that I tapped into, which I wish I never did, it doesn't look that great. It does not look that great. So it's fine. Whatever. Life happens. <sighs> Life happens. It does. And you know, one thing I'm realizing these days is to your point, we don't we have no idea. And even though all the statistics can point towards it being one way, there's also a chance it's not that way. Mm-hmm. Like, even though all these people in the support group are having maybe one experience, like from a data perspective, if you're like, okay, like 100% of the people I'm getting information from look like this or mm-hmm. are experiencing this, it doesn't mean that's your reality. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it can be, but it also doesn't no, no, mean like, true. like at all, like that's the destiny. No, you're right. There was, a, there was a, a lady who probably looked around my age who had her compression socks on, her cute little outfit, and her wheelchair for some Disney park. I don't know which one. Mm. And at one point she got up and she, like, stood to, like, take this picture. Mm. And while she took a picture, some guy was like, see, you're lying. You don't need that wheelchair, right? So her whole post was about basically Mm. how it sucks to have this thing where you look fine, but you, you know, like, don't look fine. So my first thought was, like, you just went to these Disney parks in June, three days of Universal Studios and Disney and shit. And I walked. Like, I walked everywhere, and I did, like, the thing, which is great. But I don't know what, you know, it's necessarily going to happen in the future. And then people are just really cruel. Like, they're incredibly cruel. Yeah. And now I'm officially... um, a disabled person and have my blue handicap placard and like all that other stuff. And I just know someone's going to assume it's my grandma's. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of misconception, you know, and I think to the point also around like the mental health, there's so much, like I'm so humbled every day by sitting with people and looking at them and knowing that my mind may have one perception of them. And as soon as they open their mouth and start talking, I'm so humbled by like, I have no idea yeah. what any human being I encounter with at the supermarket outside of my apartment is is holding, is yeah. dealing, or is mentally or physically um, navigating. Yeah, no idea. None. Yeah, no idea at all. Which is, I mean, I've definitely... I learned about that when I had knee surgery and I had a temporary handicap placard. Just how, like, when I got to the point where I could, where I had a cane and I mm-hmm. didn't have my crutches, you know, people would still look at me, you know, differently. Mm-hmm. And then when I now, I'm having, formerly having a temporary one and now having a permanent one, um, the times where I've judged people mm-hmm. for getting out of their parking spot, like, you are probably using your grandma's. 
was really fucked up because yeah. they could have also been like me or some type of falls risk or, you know, whatever sure. the thing is, because like, we don't know. No idea. Yeah. So I've learned a lot about that. So getting back to the original point before I went into this fun mm-hmm. tangent of tears and excitement. Um, yeah, it's for me, I have had to learn how to deal with anger around advocacy mm-hmm. for myself because it's not just for myself it's like advocacy for anyone who also has an invisible illness because whatever i say to that person my thought my goal intent and objective is that they think differently mm-hmm. how you've thought differently about people mm-hmm. with either health or mental health issues um and same for me so i think that's gonna be this ongoing ongoing challenge yeah and also like the truth is we can't make anyone think different like we can inspire it Mm -hmm. we can show up in a way that will invite it Mm -hmm. but like it's going to be up to someone to actually challenge all the things they've been taught or ways they've been programmed to interact and decide you know what i don't want to assume anymore when i look at a person (laughs) that they're xyz And that part, I think, can also be, like, part of that process of, like, some of it is is yours to hold and some of it is not. So we don't want to make an ass out of you or me. (laughs) Mm -mm. Um, Yeah, that... That assumption part. I'm I I do live for hashtag inspo for people (laughs) as much as possible, which is why I try to speak as much as possible and have any opportunity to be in front of a crowd to challenge people to have a ripple effect to make a choice yeah to either think or do things differently also why i do this podcast too mm-hmm. because it's people have change. really it's all about change it's all about change people have really great stories um about change and like anyone who's living life right you're like continuously changing growing and evolving mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and i feel like getting to you know a place a place of joy living your best life all these mm-hmm. things are great but i think there's also power in getting to a place where you have peace uh absolutely right so um what is peace to you mm. peace is quiet <laughs> inner quiet mm-hmm. peace is pure acceptance and um peace is yeah inner pure acceptance and pure like alignment with the divine Mm -hmm. it's when i can feel like i'm actually aligned with my purpose and with why i'm here on on this planet Mm -hmm. i love that i also love peace as well as a (laughs) virgo (laughs) we do like our alone time um so what advice do you have uh for those looking to heal or center and or find peace the first thing I think that is free <laughs> and accessible to most, I won't say to all because nothing is accessible to all, um, is, is learn to breathe. Learn how to breathe. <laughs> um, most, yeah, a lot of folks are not realizing when you inhale, your chest and belly should expand. And when you exhale everything moves back in. Mm-hmm. You breathe in, you get bigger, you breathe out, you get smaller because mm-hmm. the air gets pushed out of your body. I have found the breath is a amazing tool in mm-hmm. regulating because to your point, right? There's times that 
it's a mix of anger, sadness, frustration in a moment where it's also like, I could be really tempted to pop off, like hearing that story Mm -hmm. at the airport. It's like, well, part of me would want to just be like, the fuck is wrong with all of (laughs) y'all? And also knowing that if I'm by myself in a foreign country, X, Y, Z, and already knowing like a part of me is getting activated, that's probably going to be a lose-lose situation to pop off. So I find the breath is such a great tool and knowing how to like feel whatever's coming up, but also not make those reactive choices that later on are just going to be like, oh, fuck. Now, like the whole thing is now I'm mm-hmm. stuck here and I miss my flight. Um, well, clearly, I did not get to that level. Well, you made your flight and you made it home. So you did something <laughs> right. Um, you did a lot of things right. So just breathing. And I think. One is breathing. Two is seeing that everything is happening for you and for your awareness and not happening to you. Nothing is a punishment. Um, and which is also difficult, but I think that one is that one helps me a lot. And also just pure acceptance of every single part of oneself. Mm-hmm. Acceptance of the anger, acceptance of the part that um, likes to eat carbohydrates late at night, <laughs> like I do. <laughs> Just had so a couple true. of uh, brownies. <laughs> Definitely had donut holes this morning. I love eating point. late night. I love eating at 10 p.m. And I'm, I'm aware that um, all the books say to not do that. To not do that. And, you know, <laughs> but the, it brings the scale you joy. Says not, I don't know if it's bringing me joy. Peace. But I don't know if it's bringing me <laughs> peace. But I know that I'm still doing it for whatever reason. Yeah. I believe in the idea of repetition compulsion. And I have done these things before where I have to repeat something until it automatically neutralizes. Yeah. And, um, and that part of me that's eating late at night isn't, doesn't need to be reprimanded, doesn't need to be shamed, but just needs to be accepted and be curious about, like, I need to just be curious about that part. So just acceptance and curiosity, Mm -hmm. not taking myself too personally. And then also reaching out, finding community. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's amazing West African Dagara Shaman Maladoma Somme, he's the author of the book, uh, The Healing Wisdom of Africa, Ritual, and a book called Of Spirit and Water. It's about him. And one thing that he writes about is it's, and from his perspective, it takes three things for healing to happen. One is nature. Mm. So getting in nature, being mm-hmm. by the water, being in the forest. Luckily, you're in the Bay Area. We have so much access. So many options. Yeah. Um, ritual Mm -hmm. right which would be one would figure out what the ritual was for themselves and i think it can be as simple as knowing like you're bringing an offering or as prescribed as working with a spiritual healer who's telling you what you need to do right and community Mm -hmm. because we don't from my perspective as a therapist and why therapy can be helpful is that we're wounded usually with another person Mm-hmm. We're wounded in a community or in a relationship, and therefore the potential to heal in community in a relationship is also there. Yeah. It's hard to heal by ourselves. Yeah. It's actually kind of, it take, it take, you know, I mean, never by ourselves completely, but we never know what we're cultivating in a group or in a, you know, relationship when we're doing healing together. Yeah. That's really, you said a lot of very important things there. I hope everyone wrote those things down <laughs> um, and takes advantage of that. I think from the trauma from the airport, that also brings up past trauma from just being a black woman with a heart problem. Um, I was looking for community because mm-hmm. people have invisible illness. It's a community as well, but people have something that's specific to you also is great, but everyone still has their unique journey or other comorbidities that go along with that, meaning other health problems that go along with that. 
So it's definitely looking for that. But the one thing I found, which is very incredibly depressing, but also is probably a gift, is that someone else was like posting about how they just cry all the time. And I was like, same, I get that. Um, not all the time, but I do have times where that happens. And they're like, you know, you're just mourning the loss of the person you will never be again. And I was like, <laughs> which is true. So I've been going around saying I'm just not fun anymore because I'm not. I'm not as the fun and kilo that I was like two years ago. My anniversary for my heart thing was August 26th, too. So for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. August 26th is two years. Um, and then September 1st is three years full time in my business that mm. I've had for five years, but three times three years full-time and then September 2nd is my birthday so I've had Mm. all these feelings when I was like out of the country without without many white people and let me tell you that was great so to come Mm. back and like have to do all this stuff and then also learn that I'm in mourning for the person I was which I wasn't aware of like I've I've been in in the stages of probably grief but really more so acceptance of like the new life that I have I'm like oh shit all right well I got to figure that little part out. So with that, I have to figure out who my community is. Like right now, it's really more so like healers like yourself and acupuncturists. And my therapist is like leading the efforts, you know, with yeah. you know what's going on. But it is really important to have that group. Another thing that you said was also very powerful and important, which is, you know, um, I'm probably not going to phrase it the best way that you said it, but like, the negative things aren't necessarily negative or like, yeah. Right. Um, it's just, it's a thing. Grist for the mill. Yeah. (laughs) I say that all the time. Grist for the mill. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I would also add to, you know, how people can heal and center themselves in peace. Like looking into any past life stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's a lot to learn from past lives. Um, my, astrologer psychic mm-hmm. also kind of a healer person was like yeah you were always like fighting for shit in past lives like mm-hmm. and you would just die on a battlefield that was you mm. making sure everyone else was taken care of and you would mm. die alone never loved and i was like well shit what <laughs> so mm. that means for me i have to deal with the fact that all that stuff happened and i'm choosing to and still be a helper that's just I think that's just my soul is a helper and wants to give and all this other stuff but I'm choosing to like be open to love and like Mm -hmm. actually have love which the soul doesn't know how to do Mm. I think that's also why stuff comes up in my heart too because that's the place of love yeah um and so forth so there's a lot of like power and that too to figure out how to heal how to find your peace how to sit in yourself you know yeah and to your point you know i find once we are on our path of healing our community often does shift oh Um, yeah so like and the people we're attracted to spending more time with or that we feel like healing can actually happen with in a friendship Sometimes that's a difficult part of healing is that Mm -hmm. the person we've known for 20 to 30 years, we love still, but we actually are not um, energetically receiving what we need in Mm -hmm. their presence. Yeah. Um, And that can be hard to then be like, I'm choosing to not spend as much time with this person or nurture this friendship, even though it's an older one, Mm -hmm. because 
somehow the people I know or have met more recently actually seem more attuned to this healing process. Oh, yeah. I've talked a lot about this before. And it's not only with healing, but also Mm. being a boss, right? And Mm -hmm. having your own own business. So I'm sure you found like some of the people that you used to work with when you were in that nine (laughs) to five space, they either have some form of jealousy, they don't understand, or they're still complaining about stuff. Like, and when you complain about stuff, me as a farmer, like city, county, you know, civil service employee, there's people who still talk about the same types of things now and I just can't yeah I just can't relate because that's not my life anymore like I found purpose and happiness right um with the work that I'm doing so it's hard to connect there so that's one thing but then also being in this place of healing and being in tuned to um you know like my power but also healing with all my health stuff then that in itself makes it harder to have genuine community because it's different like it's unique not that they aren't there but there's a shift from the people that necessarily were there I'm pretty sure my mom just realized how hard my life was uh last week Mm. because she sees me as a strong person and I'm like a caretaker for the family Mm. I do the holiday things Mm -hmm. and the food and whatever the little ones need I'll like help out what you know like yeah so because I'm still running a business and still functioning she doesn't realize that you know, there's a good portion of time in the day where it's hard for me to breathe because I'm just, and then I also don't necessarily show that it's hard for me to breathe or that I'm having spasm too, because it's just like part of my life and I'm adjusting to it. But I think she finally just realized that. So how she shows up in my community moving forward, TBD, mm-hmm. you know, so you can have these points where people realize that sure. you have some type of shift and they can show up for you in a different Absolutely. way. But if they don't, that's okay too, mm-hmm. because if you're on a path of healing or being your best self or being a leader or boss or founder, whatever you are, you have to stay on that path knowing that you are going to lose some people along the way, but gain some really awesome people too, where, um, because you're in a higher place, the connection is almost instantaneous, which mm-hmm. is also very powerful too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we should brunch soon, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> should make that happen. Yeah. Um, so really quickly, um, what is it like for you as a therapist mm-hmm. and also as someone in the yoga space mm-hmm. who's black mm-hmm. dealing with these white women or just like, <laughs> like these are typically Ooh. predominantly white spaces. Yeah. I think there's moments of takeovers from women of color, which I love to see. Well, you know, part of what's been important to me is trying to collaborate with as many Black-owned or people of color-owned yoga spaces and um, teachers as possible to really be like, I'm not, it doesn't have to be that way. Actually, I don't feel too, at this point, the yoga spaces I'm in don't feel like very white women to me. Um, This is also me being in this community for 10 years in three different cities that I've learned... um, one, that I can cultivate what I want. Yes. And also I think that um, even the white folks who might be coming to my classes, I'm pretty authentic about like mm-hmm. how I am. I just had a women of color uh, day long or half day retreat last weekend. Like people know I'm doing these things. Like I'm not trying to hide the fact that like I 
value spaces that are um, set for folks of color to come together and collaborate and heal mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. So it has to be with white people who are like, that's cool. Like, I respect that. Like, you know, so but that's taken time to do. And the therapy, and I'd say, like, I know a lot of Black yoga teachers mm-hmm. at this point and um, yoga studio owners even. The therapist part, I still feel like I know a handful of Black therapists here in the Bay. Other places, I don't, maybe LA, I know, like, two or three. New York, I know one psychologist, one Black psychologist. I know there's more, but just to say, like, it does not feel as extensive. Yeah. Like I, I could refer someone to a black yoga teacher in New York or LA or yeah. so easily. Yeah. Um, so the, the therapist part, I think I'm still learning. And the other nuanced part of this is that, um, you know, this you may want to edit out, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that black folks are still, we're still learning how to collaborate and trust each other on a really deep Wait, level uh there's no need to edit <laughs> out. i can i agree firsthand yeah um, and so there are times that i am aware of um when i've been curious about why is you know why is there a tension here with this person or yes. why doesn't this person want to collaborate with me or like i want to show up to this person and and you know, affirm as much as I can and not feeling that reciprocated. That could be all going on in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's what's actually going on, but I find that sometimes it almost seems like there's so much competition that it takes away from the possibility possibility of collaborating together. And that part to me is actually at this point more challenging than navigating mm-hmm. white folks. The white folks part to me feel easy. You heard that <laughs> work with Lululemon, right? <laughs> right. You know, and that's not, I, I think... There's a, a great things about that brand, but even in my growth and my partnerships I've had um, with people or people I've even hired to do things, Black women yes. have been, some, not all, have been incredibly difficult. I had someone who was looking for an opportunity to do some work and I gave them an opportunity to do some work and... um they charged me way more than what was allocated in the contract. Mm. Didn't ask for approval or any of that stuff. So I was like, you're going to have to break down your hours because this doesn't make any sense. Now, if it made sense, I have no problem paying people more money. Like I love to pay, particularly Mm -hmm. women of color, more money. When I can, I'm like, yo, here you go. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to make it rain, you know, when I can. But her response to me was so egregious that I I was I was shocked and surprised. And she like even mentioned, this is why I tell you to not work with your role models. Because they aren't really who they really are. She said that to you. Mm-hmm. Now she was hired to do event planning. And I made it very clear that I can only approve things. And once you have the thing, just go for the flow. Because I was traveling a lot and busy. And I wanted her to have um, creative control. Mm -hmm. But what she really wanted and didn't communicate was for me to be with her all the time. Every step of the way. 
Mm. And you were like, no, I'm mm. not an event planner. I'm yeah. coming in to the event. Oh, yeah. And, and then things like, I assume you would know what I was doing because you allegedly said you had an event business, which is true. My first business was an event business. I did events and weddings for almost 15 years. Wow. Yeah. So that it, that's the very reason why I questioned what she was doing because the outcome wasn't what was promised. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like... I found it really hard to believe that someone would go off on me, the person who's paying them. Like that it just it didn't it didn't make any sense. Or um trying to collaborate with a person of color and there's no follow through. Yeah. To do things or the expectation of the onus is on more so on you opposed to actual collaboration. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, one thing I, I want to say is is also about the money part. And um, yeah, and particularly one thing I'm noticing is for the most part, it's not white people when I tell them my fee as a therapist who want my fee to come down. And granted, I know that's there's so much behind the socioeconomic injustice that is institutionalized in generations deep. Right. Around money and race. Right. Um, and I feel curious about that. Mm-hmm. I feel curious about, you know, the way I've also been socialized to be like, oh, let me get a discount on that or asking people for free stuff, people of color for free stuff. Mm-hmm. I think so many of us have been socialized to actually not necessarily see, we're not socialized in this culture to see anyone's humanity. We have to decide to do that. And then you add the money part on it and it's like, I'm not just charging this fee randomly to make it rain on myself. I'm charging this because as we talked about earlier, I have to pay the government 40% of pretty much what I'm making. (laughs) So whatever I'm charging you, 60% is possibly coming to me, but probably not even that much. 50% after I pay all my bills, pay the rent for this hour. You gotta have the phone and the Wi-Fi and the lights and yeah. And so, um, You know, I just I've been hearing this in my mind a lot of like, stop asking women of color. Stop asking black women for a discount on anything. Oh, yeah. No. Like and and realizing like I want to pay. Yeah. I'm like, I want to be like, I want to learn how to be like, what's your full fee for anything? And if I can't pay it, be like, let me come back to you when I figure out how to do my finances to do that. Or here you go. Exactly. Yeah, this, I think there's I, a lot of still like conditioning there that is, you know, happening. I like shoes. <laughs> so people need to pay me my full rate. And unfortunately, when it's a white business or a white woman that we may be working together on whatever thing, money isn't an issue. It's not. Someone who. I'm going to work with in the future, which I'll share about at a later date. I was like, so they're like, okay, great. So we'll see you. They're flying me out to their office. So we'll see you then. And I was like, hi, um, I just want to confirm that you're fine with the price sheet. Like, yeah, totally. Just send an invoice. Period. Our schedule will call you to handle your flight and hotel to make sure it meets your needs. Period. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I know that there is so much is, you know, monetary injustice mm-hmm. here in the United States. Um, and that, you know, to all the unequal pay that happens. 
particularly like if we look at, you know, you know, this fat figure is way better than I do about how much money black women are paid to white women or to white men. Just 61 cents. Right. To the dollar. (laughs) And in order to make sure that that gap does not continue to grow, part of my responsibility is to make sure I... Full price. Yes. Full price. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I remember one of the things my teacher years ago, Dr. Africa, said to us was that, you know, he was saying that there's, it's so, right, like the things people are also conditioned to pay money for quickly. And then you get something like a service and it's like, why do I have to pay so much for, I'm just sitting in here and talking. I'm like, you think I'm just, you're just sitting in here and talking? <laughs> oh, I'm just oh laying God. down in here. I, what, you right. know, what, what am I getting? It's like, what you, I'm changing your life. I'm like, you're changing your life. You're getting the ability to change your life. You're getting the tools to be empowered, to choose to change your life. And also you're getting someone who's going to listen and attune to you. Right. Unconditionally and listen to all your deepest woes and trauma and is not checking their phone and checking out, which is what most people are used to. And say, how did it go with and have an accountability tracking and paying full attention to everything. And that is a huge, that's, that's where so much healing happens is just paying attention. And, Paying black women. Yes. <laughs> paying attention, paying black women. I Please. say this all the time for black women who may have a problem with the cost for my company or me or mm-hmm. whatever. I'm like, Rihanna, what do you have from Rihanna? Do you have makeup? Mm. Do you have lingerie? I'll be do you have couture? What do you have? Do you have Puma slides? <laughs> so if you can pay for that shit or her concert and you aren't. For a concert, you were literally doing what I do, which is someone's on stage mm-hmm. and talks. Okay. So if you can do all those things, you can pay me. Yeah. Which is, I think there's a lot of healing to happen there too. I've, mm-hmm. I've been noticing, right? Like myself and also more, a lot of folks of color I've heard and talked to are uncomfortable with charging their full fee or like, I don't want to be too expensive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think obviously there's lots of people I see on the slide as well. Yeah. Not and lots, I think but... the sliding scale is fine. I think also because we are natural helpers, mm-hmm. um, doing some pro bono things are fine. Like yeah. I'll, I, I work with nonprofits and I get my full fee for most nonprofits, but there are some who can't afford it. Yeah. And I'm happy to give a discount because I will always be a public health practitioner by mm-hmm. trade. That will always be part of my heart, but only if I have the capacity to do that. Meaning I've made the, you know, my quotas for what I need to make for the quarter to pay all the people I pay and pay myself. Um, and if I have the time to do it and if my body is able to do yeah. those things. And if not, I literally have no problem saying no. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> no, or... Try again, you know. Right. Yeah, right. Oh, that's a that's a nice way. <laughs> yeah, maybe in the future. Maybe next year at this time, <laughs> give me a certain amount of time ahead. Right. Um. So, how do you celebrate the little wins? The little wins. Sometimes I celebrate by literally just being on my couch with my feet up. Mm. That feels great. I recently got a new couch over the summer. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of new home decor. Okay. Um Yeah, I think like just being at being able to relax feels always like a huge celebration to mm-hmm. me. I'm I will confess I 
this is an area of growth for me, mm-hmm. is learning how to acknowledge and honor the small uh, or big wins or successes, because sometimes it can be very easy to just, okay, cool, like, that's done, that's in place, yeah. now this other thing is moving and rolling, and I'm present where I'm at, and I'm, okay, this is where I'm at, but I think it's also so important to to make time to just, like, take it in and be like, oh, yes. Yeah. I, I that is done or like I did a good job there mm-hmm. or wow I'm really proud of myself I'll do a lot of self-talk though and be like, mm-hmm. I'm proud of you but it's a growing edge I need a little more practice there mm-hmm. and creativity and ways to do it yeah I, I think that's celebrating the little wins takes more time because we tend to focus on okay I started my business or it's my birthday or mm-hmm. I got the promotion not the simple fact like I got out of bed today Mm -hmm. or I have my like, you know, first client or I have a logo, (laughs) you know, or I remembered to do my breathing today or meditate or, you know, I walked here. You walked here (laughs) up a hill. I didn't drive my car all week. I have to, but I cannot drive my car that often. That is fantastic. I should probably take a walk myself. Um, Well, I think... This is where people get to learn how to find you yeah. and, you know, tap into all that you have to offer. Well, for one, so um, I'm at Anasa Yoga every Wednesday at 10 a.m. to 1130 teaching Kundalini Yoga and meditation. Um, so that's a weekly, that's my only weekly yoga class. If folks are interested in Kundalini, that's where I'm at. It's a black owned, black woman owned yoga studio in the Laurel super amazing space and they have parking which anywhere in the bay area that's a <laughs> premium um, anasa a-n-a-s-a yoga.com and otherwise i'm on instagram i post pretty much my schedule is there and all the workshops and offerings that i do and you can um, check me out on instagram at at soulistic wellness and that's s-o-u-l-i-s-t-i-c wellness yay I'm so honored for you to sit here today and I'm not going to necessarily read you at all, but this (laughs) new you is fantastic. Like going into your own thing um, and being able to have like full time because you've Mm -hmm. been doing this, but full time into your own thing and have such an important like wraparound whole person, whole body um, practice. It is really powerful. You need to buy those roses or whatever (laughs) so we can um, do that soon. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. It's actually the person who is getting the healing has to bring the roses. Yeah. they. Oh, I need to buy the roses. Yeah, you buy the roses. I'm about to go to Whole Foods and get these roses. Yeah, we got to set up time. We have to do it outside. So we got it. Okay, cool. Weather is good the next couple weeks though. Oh, yay. All right. Take that back. I'm going to go to Safeway because they have a better deal on roses. Wherever you want. Find the ones that resonate with me. Yes. Yeah. And make that happen. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your knowledge and your gifts, dropping all these bombs, which is great (laughs) and stuff. Thank Um, you. No, thank you. And thank you to the listeners for listening in. Remember to keep being amazing. Thanks for listening to the Change Today podcast. 
to learn more about Change Today, you can go to changetoday.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-C-A-D-E-T.com. And you can follow to learn more at Change Today Podcast and at Change Today. Thanks for listening.